Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I can remember a period in time where she would be off working and I'd be home alone and it'd be late at night and I'd be making my dinner and going to bed, you know, I'd be home for all day long, you know, till 11 at night, you know, till she got home. And there'd be nights where men would come banging on the door looking for her and it would just scare me to death. And I would hide in the cupboard in our kitchen, just afraid that someone was going to knock down this door and hurt me or, you know, do something really terrifying. And so for me, it was very unsafe to be at home. I learned that being home felt dysregulating, you know, for me, home wasn't loving. It was scary. It was painful. It was, you know, uncomfortable. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives and that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand What makes you, you? What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls 
sharing their story, what happened to them, how they got through, and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. friend, if you suffer from anxiety and are sick of all the ways it's taking over your life, please take a look at Panic Away. For over 10 years now, Panic Away has been showing people how to break anxious patterns and get their old carefree self back, the person they were before anxiety ruled their life. Panic Away shows you how to break the anxiety loop and it gives your nervous system a chance to relax. It's totally drug-free and highly successful, and it helps people with all levels of anxiety. Panic Away comes with a full money-back guarantee, so you really have nothing to lose and everything to gain. It's time to take back control of your life, your happiness, and your freedom. A life free of anxiety is like living an entirely different life. Click the link in the show notes for access to Panic Away. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the podcast. How My Parents Raised Me podcast is two years old. Happy birthday to us. And to celebrate, we decided to get a little facelift. How much do you love this new cover artwork? I'm so excited. It has been my greatest privilege to hear stories from some of the most amazing humans on the planet and by far the biggest and most mind-blowing part of hosting this podcast for the past two years has been the absolute honour to be sharing pure wisdom from the mouths of extraordinary humans who have gone through what can only be described as debilitating levels of trauma. When you are open to learning, you find wisdom because there are many, many people living in trauma that are blocking it or ignoring it. The wisdom comes from allowing yourself to see the trauma, feel it and release it. And that sounds simple, but it's far from simple. It's an epic journey, but it's the journey where the wisdom can be found. My mission is to bring awareness to the damage that childhood trauma is doing to tiny humans and the effect that has on every aspect of our society. I want to thank everyone who has shared their unique truth and wisdom with me over the past two years. I have fallen a tiny bit in love with each of you as I saw right into the depths of your soul. And I want to thank you, the listener, for being here, for seeing the value in what is being shared and for turning up every week and being a part of this healing community. This week's story has got to be one of the hardest I have ever heard. And yet, if you were to meet Mandy in person, you would have no clue as to the incredible trauma she went through 
as a little girl. Mandy grew up in a very unsafe environment. Nobody had her back at any point growing up. Her boundaries were constantly broken. She was not cared for, she was not seen, and she was not protected. Mandy was on her own, and after surviving many years abandoned in this way, she finally spoke out. She finally asked for help, and the consequences were horrific. Mandy ended up in a mental health institution at just 14, where she had to earn the right to watch TV or to have other privileges. When she was nothing but a victim in this story and had done nothing wrong whatsoever. Mandy spent years in talk therapy, but it wasn't until she began somatic healing work, which is healing trauma through the body, that she was fully able to heal. Mandy believes that spending two years in somatic healing was equal to 20 years worth of talk therapy. A trigger warning for this episode, it does contain themes of suicide and sexual abuse. So please take care in listening to this episode if you are triggered by these themes. Please join me now for Mandy's story. Mandy, you are an inspirational speaker and trauma healing guide. You are passionate about helping women to heal from traumatic experiences in a holistic way, including healing our mental and physical health, our nervous system, and through nutrition. You also have an incredible story of survival to share with us. You describe yourself as being born into trauma. Can you tell us about the situation you were born into? Yeah, thank you for allowing me to be here and share my story. Yeah, being born into trauma for me looked like being born to a single mom. So my dad had left the picture right around the time that I was born. And she was very much living through her own trauma patterns. She had her own trauma story, her own childhood that was traumatic. But back then, you didn't talk about it. You didn't do anything with it other than just try to push forward, forget about it, you know, shove it in a closet and move forward. And I think for her, she really struggled on a daily basis to feel confident, to feel connection, to feel loved. And so she sought relationships with men that were very unhealthy. And those men that would enter into our home were very abusive to me. And so from the time that I was five years old, you know, is when my sexual abuse started. And it was at the hands of the men that would come in and out of her life and that she would bring, you know, to our home. And so I learned at a very young age that it was safer to disconnect from my body. It was safer to, you know, push, push this, this pain away by hiding parts of myself. And I started to become this perfectionist and making sure everything was perfect and I was quiet and maybe I wouldn't get any unhealthy attention. That's kind of how I lived my life as a child. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that that instinctual survival mechanism actually does allow us to disconnect yeah. our mind from our body to keep us safe. And 
How did that sort of play out for you on a day-to-day basis? What was it like being you at that young age? I was very shy, very, very shy. I mean, anyone who knew me at this at that age would not believe that I'm doing <laughs> things like I am today being a speaker because I was so shy. I would hide behind my mom. I can remember hiding behind her all the time, anywhere we were out in public, even with family and friends. I just, it was so scary for me to be separated from her. Even though she was a part of that unhealthy environment, she was the only thing, the only constant really that I knew. And so I would hide. I was very shy. I wouldn't speak up. I wouldn't communicate my needs. I would always default to someone else and just be like, okay, you know, if that's what you want to do, fine. I'm not going to voice what I really want because that felt very scary. And like, I would, it would be unsafe if I did so. So I, yeah, I, I hid, I became this perfectionist. I became very quiet and started to really ignore my needs and ignore the intuition that I had innately within me telling me, you know, you need to speak up this, you know, this isn't right. I would always just kind of squash that. I was a very picky eater. I became very stubborn in my ways. So there were moments in time where I would hold on to something just to have a little bit of control over my life, even though everything else felt out of control. Yeah. And what about your mom? What was your relationship like with her? Did you feel love from her? Yeah, good question. It was off and on, I would say. So, you know, I had Knowing, looking back now, I believe I grew up in a very disorganized attachment with her, meaning she was there sometimes and not there sometimes. And so she, when she was there and was able to be emotionally there, I loved her. I loved connecting with her. I would sit on the back of the chair and brush her hair and put bows in her hair, you know, and, and just connect with her physically and you know, just be in her presence. But that was far and few between because she was often off in her own world, in her own emotional state. Or we grew up, I grew up very poor. So she was working multiple shifts at a diner, you know, trying to earn money. And so she wasn't around and I was left, you know, to my own devices at a pretty young age. So it felt very disconnected a lot of times. And there was some connection sometimes, but I held a deep love for her. And I think she held a deep love for me. She just didn't know how to do it in a healthy way. Yeah. That's sad, isn't it? Like you just see that generational kind of Yes. Getting handed down the same stuff over and over. And yes. So when you say that she was out at work and you were left to your own devices, were you looked after by some of the men that were in her life? Is that what? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. When there, when there was men in her life, you know, she had periods where there were men constantly and periods where there weren't. But yeah, the men would usually like stay with me and they would be, you know, the ones who were sexually abusing me during those times. Or when I wasn't, you know, that I can remember a period in time where she would be off working and I'd be home alone and it'd be late at night and I'd be making my dinner and going to bed. You know, I'd be home for all day long, you know, till 11 at night, you know, till she got home. And there'd be nights where men would come banging on the door looking for her and it would just scare me to death. And I would hide in the cupboard in our kitchen, just afraid that someone was going to knock down 
this door and hurt me or, you know, do something really terrifying. And so for me, it was very unsafe to be at home. I learned that being home felt dysregulating. You know, for me, home wasn't loving. It was scary. It was painful. It was, you know, uncomfortable. It was all those things. But yeah, she, she left me with many different men. Yeah. It's, oh my gosh. I just, I'm just thinking about that little girl. And I remember those feelings myself, you know, that it's so out of control, isn't it? When you're a little tiny thing Mm -hmm. in the world and, and everything around you, you have no control over it whatsoever. And I'm just imagining you sort of hiding in a cupboard and just feeling terrified about what was going to happen I just want to honor that little girl because that's oh thank you oh such a yeah it's so hard to look back and see ourselves struggling so much isn't it and so how do you feel you got through each day at that point in your life how are you surviving in your own mind I would go into my own world I can remember having some some cartoon experience or something where I had the dolls and I had, you know, all the things. And so I would just kind of go into my own world. I, I didn't need anyone else. Like I to to, you know, play with or anything. I would always turn inward and just kind of find any way to find myself parts of myself. Right. And so that meant for me, you know, playing quietly in my room by myself not not being around anyone else or being outside. I've always, from the time I was very little, always found healing being in nature and outside. Yeah. And so, but it must have been quite a lonely experience, childhood for you. Mm-hmm. It must have been very lonely just spending so much time by yourself. And it was, yeah. Is there a feeling that what's happening to you is wrong? Do you understand that it's wrong or... Are you just confused about what's happening in your life? Yeah, I think because there's no, it's in, it's secret, right? And there's no communication around it. I didn't say anything, you know, because the men had said, you know, be quiet, don't say anything, right? There was that level of manipulation there. So I, yeah, I think on some level, I probably knew it was wrong, but at the same time, it was like, I'm... I don't know what to do with this. Right. You know, like my, my body, I know I no longer have boundaries for this body, you know? And so I don't know what is right or wrong anymore for myself. So I think there was a level of just like, I don't know what to do with this. Maybe, maybe I did something wrong or, you know, I, (laughs) I am wrong innately. And so I just kept very quiet about it. Yeah. It's so confusing, isn't it? You can just feel yeah. that, that confusion of a little girl that just has no idea what is going on and why this is happening. And yes. did you did you ever sort of reach out and just try and speak to anybody about what was going on? Not at that age. No. When I became a teenager and things progressed, that's when I spoke up. But at that age, no. I think... For me, I was just clinging to whatever little safety I could get from my mom, you know, just whatever little safety I could get from her or, you know, someone in the family. It just was that, that need to be around someone that felt safe and savor those moments. Yeah. 
And so by the time you get into high school, what is your mental health like by that age? Yeah, you know, I, I would experience depression and anxiety and stress, you know, chronic stress in my body. But it, it, you know, it would waver. So there'd be moments of depression, stress, anxiety, and then other moments where I could, for you know, a period of time, tap into like joy and happiness when I'm around my friends. I had an incredible friend group when I was a teenager and leaned on them a lot to just keep me safe, you know, help me feel like a part of their family. I think at that age, even I, you know, again, nobody's talking about mental health. Nobody's talking about depression or why I, why my stomach is in knots all the time, you know, why I'm feeling this anxiety all the time and I just don't understand it. So, you know, it, for me, stress, anxiety, depression, that was just my life. I didn't know any different. So it wasn't like I said, oh my gosh, why am I feeling this way? Like I shouldn't be feeling this way. I didn't know anything different. So for me, it was just, it was normal. Yeah. A hundred percent. I understand that so well. And it is, it does become a hundred percent our normal, doesn't it? And so by the time you're in high school, I know that at one point you do ask for help. Can you tell us about that situation? So at the time my mom had married, she'd remarried and been married for a couple of years. And this man he was a police officer in our town and was very manipulative, probably the most manipulative person I have ever encountered in my life. And he was also sexually abusing me. And I can remember at, at one point I had a conversation with my mom and I said, hey, <clears throat> this is what he's doing. This is wrong. And I, I need you. I'm essentially reaching out to her saying, can you help stop this? And I, I remember her emotional state. She was sad and crying and shocked and was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. I promise I'll talk to him. And, you know, months went by, months went by and nothing changed. And I can remember having a second conversation with her and she is, we had this really small apartment that we lived in. She's in the kitchen with her back towards me. And I'm at the table and I trying to tell her again, this is what's going on. Like he, nothing has changed. Have you said anything? You know, what happened? And she turned around and I could just remember it was like looking at a ghost, like literally life had like a, had left her body. She was like a shell of who I had known. And, you know, her response was, I think you're misunderstanding him. I think he loves you and is trying to show you affection and, you know, you're wrong, essentially. And I can remember in that moment thinking, she's gone. Like my mom has left the building. (laughs) That person, I don't know. I don't know who that is. I am going to need to be the one to change this, to help get us out of this situation. And so it was in that moment I just took on this responsibility of, okay, I have to be the adult here. I have to figure out how to get us out. All of a sudden I'm like swirling around like, okay, how am I going to do this? And one of the things I decided was I'm going to befriend him. I'm going to just pretend like this is fine 
I'm going to earn his trust because up to that point I had been resisting and fighting against it. And so I started to just let it happen. And in the background thinking, okay, fine, trying to find a plan to get us out of that home. One day at school, I'm talking to my girlfriend and we're talking about our weekend. And I don't remember what I told her, but I said something and she was like, you know, dads don't do that with their daughters, right? That's wrong. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) And she was like, no, that's, that's wrong. And she encouraged me to go talk to a counselor at school. And so I had a conversation with the counselor and I can remember her saying, yeah, this is abuse. This is wrong. This should not be happening to you. You're, I need to report this and we'll get a social worker involved and all those things. And I can remember begging her, pleading, crying, like, please let me have one more chance of talking to my mom, please. Like, I don't, I don't want this to happen. You know, all of a sudden I had all this fear of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, this is going to be my fault. Like, can I just speak to her and see if she'll leave? Like, what if we left tonight? Would that be, you know, like, I'm just like trying to bargain with her. Like, please give me a chance. Let me talk to her. I went home that day after school and waited for her to get home. And we went on a walk, which we normally did every night. And it was dusk. And it you normally was like this time for us to connect and talk about school and talk about work and, you know, just be mom and daughter in this beautiful, healthy experience. And that evening, I as we were walking back to the apartment, I told her, hey, I spoke to someone at school about what was going on. And she turned to me and said, how could you ruin our family? How could you destroy our family like this? I cannot believe you did that. And literally in that moment, I can remember taking on this belief of like, oh my gosh, my intuition is wrong. My gut feelings are wrong. Like following these gut feelings equals destruction, right? And you know, destruction followed from there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, my goodness. That's, it's just, oh, my gosh, it's just heart-wrenching, isn't it, to think that that is her reaction when you have reached out for help. And yeah. so so what happened After that, did you go back to the counselor? What happened after that was, yeah, the next day at school, 
you know, talked to the counselor and they got a social worker involved. You know, they brought me, you know, the social worker came and met me and we had to talk through things. And there was a restraining order put against her husband, my stepdad, and he made bail. So, but there was a, he had to stay out of the home essentially. So he, you know, is wherever. And a couple of days go by and a couple of police officers pick me up at school. So like my life completely started to fall apart. Like it was not unusual for me to be picked up in a police car and taken to the station for questioning or further talking about the situation. Like it just, it was, it was an unreal experience. <laughs> but in, in this moment, these two policemen picked me up, took me to the station and interrogated me interrogated me for hours about tell me really what he did are you lying like really trying to like get me to admit that I was just falsifying these reports and that I you know had a vendetta against him or something but for hours in this little room with these two men I'm having to detail every part of everything that this man has done to me oh my god without my social worker which caused a lot of a lot of issues after after they found out about that. But then he then there were charges, you know, they were getting ready to pull charges against my stepdad and my mom because she knew what was going on. I went to school on May 13th. It was a Friday. Came home and no one was there. My mom wasn't there and she normally was after school and I found five suicide letters on the bed. They both were gone. His gun was gone. And so I call my social worker, I'm like, Hey, this is happening. You know, this is what I found. They came, you know, got me, pulled me out of the home, put me with my older sister who became my legal guardian. And we waited. And a couple of weeks later, they were found. They had taken their lives in their car. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh my goodness. And for you personally, this is from the point that you actually asked for help. Yes. You finally, after yes. all of these years, you've asked for help and all hell is broken loose. Yes. And oh my you can gosh. imagine the guilt and the the guilt and the shame was deafening. It was all that I could, I couldn't feel or see anything else, but this immense guilt that it was my fault that they took their lives. Like essentially I was the one that pulled the trigger and it, it destroyed me. Oh my God. Absolutely. Oh, Mm -hmm. this is, it's just the hardest, hardest. I, I don't even know, like even just thinking about you in that room with the police officers getting interrogated, I, you know, I'm thinking, my God, this is, it's just so yeah. much for a little girl, isn't it? Yes. And now, and now, yeah, wow, that's that's just incredibly hard, incredibly difficult. So, so now your life is is basically blown apart. It and is, you're living yeah. with your older sister, did you say? Yeah, she yeah. became my legal guardian. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. And so how how were you at this point in your life? I mean, were you able to 
go to school? Like, I mean, were you able Yeah. to function? Well, not very well. Um, I can tell you I was very depressed, very much in this swirl of grief. And this happened in May. So it was at the end of my eighth, yeah, eighth grade school year. And, you know, I was moving into high school starting ninth grade, just a few months after this had all happened. So new school, new friends, new town, new home, no mom. I was a mess and I started therapy. They put me in obviously with the state and all the things that had gone on with this case. They put me in therapy and I started to do a type of therapy called EMDR. And we really were just focusing on this grief, this feeling of being guilty that I was the one that did this instead of them being the one that did all this stuff to me, you know, it was reversed as a child. We take on the, the experiences as, as if we're responsible for them when we're really not. So I started therapy. It was, you know, every week high school starts, my freshman year starts, and I'm just literally just surviving, you know, I think there may have been moments of joy during that time, but it was a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of like, how do I, a lot of numbing, really, like, how do I even comprehend what just happened? You know, it's, it's hard to, as an adult to comprehend it, let alone a teenager who feels guilty for having it, for making it happen. It was about my sophomore year, so, a, you know, a year and a half into high school, where I just started to feel the weight of grief. I just started to feel this immense, like I would wake up in pain. I would wake up in emotional pain, physical pain, and it just hurts to be, to wake up. It hurt to be alive. It hurt to have to talk about this over and over and over again. And it hurt to not have my mom around, even though she was part of the problem and wasn't taking me out of that situation. I loved her and I just wanted to feel loved by my mom again. I just wanted her presence back in my life. And that's all I could think about was I just want to be with my mom again. I just want to be with her. And eventually it led me to suicidal thoughts and acting on those thoughts. During one day at school, I left because I had a free period and I went to the grocery store and bought a bottle of sleeping pills. And on the way back to school, I swallowed all 30 of these pills, one at a time, like essentially like every step I'm taking a pill. And I don't remember walking or getting back to school because I had blacked out as I was, my body was processing these pills. But there was a moment right where I can remember, it was like I woke up into this golden, loving, warm environment. It just was like, to me, it's what heaven probably feels like. I was like, oh my gosh, this this is it. I've made it. I've been I'm gonna see my mom. Like it just like the most loving, safe, comforting home you can imagine, the feeling that you get in that environment was a thousand times percent higher in this experience that I had I was in. And I can remember just being so excited, like, yes. I'm here. I get to see my mom. I'm so excited. It was golden. It was beautiful. And I can remember this pressure on my chest, like a hand. And I was being pushed back away from, from this. And all I heard was, it's not time. 
and I woke up and I was, it was the end of the school day. Kids were rushing down the stairs, leaving. And I just was in the state of like, what just happened? Like I was literally there. I was so angry. Like I can't even like do this. I can't even like take my life and be with my mom. I have to be here. Like, no, I don't want to be here. I made it home. I got a ride home from a friend, but I was really starting to experience some intense symptoms and reactions to these pills. I was hallucinating. I was shaky. So I called 911 and they admitted me to the emergency room and to ICU intensive care. And I was in intensive care for a couple of days. And then they admitted me to a mental health institution for a period of time where I was diagnosed with PTSD and put on some antidepressant medication and put on a very rigorous path to processing and healing and all those things. Wow. Wow. What a journey. My goodness. I remember checking in that night. I remember the ambulance driving me and they checked me in and I'm in this room and it has two single beds and I have a roommate and I can just remember crying being like, I don't belong here. Like, I just want to be my, with my mom. Like I, I don't belong here. I mean, there were kids who were cutting themselves, who were addicts, who were, you know, all these, all these variety of things that kids were in this place for. And I was like, I'm not them. I, you know, I'm not doing anything bad. I just want my mom. And I can remember being so angry and so confused and mad and all the feelings. Right. And because I was a minor, they have a school program there while you're there. So you go to school, you would go to school during the day. And then as a part of your routine, you would have like group therapy sessions, you would have your medication, you would have individual sessions with the therapist. And it worked on this rewards system where, you know, if you made your bet, you had to do certain things during the day in order to earn, like, you know, time outside in order to earn, you know, the ability to watch TV and in order to earn something extra, like a little treat or something. But it was literally like a stripped away environment. There was no, nothing on the walls, nothing special about it. It was just plain everything, you know, that the things that make you feel comforting or comforted were not there. You know, it was just plain, 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 plain and intense. I can remember my roommates. She was like, you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll get, get into a groove here. She's like, it's not that bad. She's like, I've been here for a long time. You'll figure it out. And I just thought like, no, I don't want to be here. No. But eventually, you know, I started to feel a little bit better and be able to talk a little bit more about what I had experienced and understand why I was feeling so depressed and so sucked into this vortex of grief. You know, PTSD is a real thing and it creates these very intense experiences. And I guess part of my healing really was helping me understand why, why I was feeling that way and hearing, being validated, like, yeah, you're right to feel so upset about that, you know? So at the end, I left on a positive note, but when I first got there, it was very hard. Yeah, because I guess it it sounds a bit to me like 
you've gone through hell and then you turn up at this place and it's almost like you're punished for having a yeah. breakdown you know yes it's yes. like you've got to earn this and you've got to achieve yes. this and it's like well actually I'm the victim here it's not like yes you know it that's it just feels so but but just from the moment you've started talking all the way through all I can feel is just loneliness you know like just yeah. never having another human that yes. backs that actually backs you I mean your mom yes. obviously loved you but she didn't back you and no. she didn't stand for you she didn't stand with you and no. you've gotten to this age of like 15 16 and and yep. you're still still alone, alone still yes. alone with nobody yes. and yes. that's that must have been how it felt every day yes absolutely like I I know that's a feeling I have carried with me for a long time and it's an old old programming but it's valid programming that I have to do things if I if I want something done I have to do it myself like there's no one around me who's going to lift me up and help me through something I have to do it I'm literally the only person that can do it and sometimes that's very that's a very hard truth to hold yeah, absolutely so you what what age were you when you left the mental institution I want to say I was probably 15 okay so yeah. you're still a child and yeah do you just go back to school at that point yes oh, wow. yeah like you know like no no interest it just was a transition of like okay you're here one day now you're here the next day you know back into life routine school yeah yeah <laughs> and so what were the effects of this on your physical body by this stage? How were you coping in your body? Yeah, that's a great question. It was, I can remember being around that age, maybe a little bit older where I was diagnosed with IBS. I had intense gut dysfunction. I hold stress in my gut. And so over, you know, 15, 16 years of stress, you just, your body starts to break down and deteriorate and is not as strong as it normally is. And so I had a lot of gut problems, a lot of bloating, a lot of just inability to digest food. And that created many different symptoms, headaches, you know, nausea, swinging from one side of the digestive scale to the next. And, you know, just never feeling healthy, having a compromised immune system, these having lots and lots of depression. I can remember just always feeling down, always feeling anxious. But again, that kind of felt like my normal. So for me, as things started to progress, they weren't alarms. They were just like, oh, okay. I, you know, just another thing. It just was until eventually it just started to pile on and pile on. And as I became an adult, things started to really get, get bad in terms of my health. But yeah, as a teenager, I, it was headaches. It was anxiety. It was depression. It was gut stuff. It was immune system. Wow. Isn't Mandy incredible? What an amazingly strong woman she is. An amazingly strong woman. We will pick Mandy's story up again next week when she talks about healing back to wellness after so much trauma. 
She talks about her decision around whether or not to have kids and how somatic healing work has completely changed her life. I'll catch up with you then. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.